Good morning. We are uh, still in Matthew. Shocker, I know. Um, <laughs> we just finished, uh, last week, we're, we're in the beginning of the parables in chapter 13, and we just talked about the parable of the sower, the seeds, and, and what's unique about this section is that Jesus will use some of the same um, terms to mean different things, and I think it causes a lot of confusion, and um, at times I think a lot of scholars like to argue about it, and, and definitely those that use Facebook to argue, they love to argue about that too. Um, and it just, it's just an interesting thing because Jesus is teaching through these parables, and we talked a couple weeks ago about what parables mean and why, why Jesus uses parables. And this week, so last week it was, there are four kinds of soil, and, and we found out very quickly that really you only wanted to be one of the soils, not the other three. And this week, Jesus actually hits uh, to two different types of groups. And I feel like there's a couple really large-scale questions for those in the world today out of this text that are somewhat answered. And a couple of them, I'm just going to throw them out there right now, is why is there so, why is there so much evil in this world? Why, why is that present? And another one is, is how, how can I, if you've ever felt this way, how can I really make a difference? And I feel like maybe you feel this way because the world, we always elevate those people that are doing that one thing amazingly well, and there's incredible things happening from different pastors or different nonprofits. Or you're like, I want to be that person. I want to change the world. But yet at the same point, it's really easy to go, but I don't like, what am I going to do? I'm just, I'm just a mom, or I, I'm just a college student, or I'm just, I, I just, I don't know, like, I, I haven't really been following Jesus all that long. You know, I've been, I've been, I've been Jesus flavored for a while, but I'm not Jesus filled, or I, I'm, I'm struggling to, to understand what this means, or I spent so much time, and I'm just burnt out, in all honesty, like, I'm tired of the church, and I, I've lost the, the point behind the church, and so I feel like two kind of large questions that come out of this text, although they're not the main point, are answered, I believe, for us by Jesus in this parable. And so I wanted to just actually tell this story today. It's out of Matthew 13. You can, you can follow along or you can go back and read it again. But it's, it's essentially Jesus gets up and tells. He just finishes explaining to the disciples, hey, this is, this is what the parable of the sower of seeds mean. This is what those different soils are. And this is what it means to have the right, right heart, the right motivation, and to bear the fruit so that you can say, yes, this truly is a son of God. And then he comes in the second thing. He says the kingdom of heaven is like. And so he, he essentially starts talking about this farmer who goes out and his servants, and they go out and sow the seed, which is such a common term for every single person there. They understood how to do it. They understood what that meant, and most of them would have seen this on their daily basis throughout their life. And so they sow this seed, and, and everything kind of is in place. And although we last time talked about the different soils that seed could fall on, that has, it's kind of a totally different se- section here, and it's still talking about the kingdom of heaven. And so this farmer goes out and his servants and they sow the seed and they, job well done, it's a long day and they're sweating on their brow and it's, oh man, that was hot and, and we got it all done, everything's good to go. And then while they were asleep, now this, this word doesn't translate lazy, this is truly like while they're asleep at night, an enemy comes in and sows a seed that is different. And at this time, it, it's actually sowing a weed. And, and this weed, it was common in, in Palestine time, it looked just like wheat, looked just like wheat, and it would come up at some point, and then when you finally started seeing the wheat to shine and come through, you'd notice that this was a, a, a darnel or a different version. It was a weed. It was a, it was a fake. It was a phony. And so what happened is while they were asleep, these seeds are, are done as well. And a few weeks pass, or however much time needed to pass, and all of a sudden they start seeing that as this stuff is coming up that they all thought was all the wheat that they had sown, they noticed that there's a difference, and there's a lot of the wrong thing in the same field. 
Now, scholars want to say that this is, this is talking about the church, and I think it's bigger in the church, and it's actually talking specifically about the world and that we are sown in, and we'll talk about that as Jesus breaks us down. But so ultimately, this is sown. Now, this is common enough in this day that the Romans actually had a law against sowing weeds in other people's fields. So this happened enough that there was an actual existing law that was, was, it was against the law to do this very thing. But this, was, this would be done to, to hurt them. And, and so the, the servants are like, what'd you, their first thing is, is to blame the farmer. What are, you, what are you doing? Like, didn't you give us good seeds? Wasn't this, wasn't this the good stuff? Like, what's wrong? And they're, they're kind of frustrated because they're like, we got all this crop and it's just a mess. It's not like there's nice rows. It's just there's weeds on top of wheat and it's just, it's a mess. Didn't you, didn't you give us the right seeds? And the farmer says, of course I gave you the right seeds. I know what happened. In fact, he says at this moment, for an enemy has sown a weed into our field. The enemy has put this weed out. And so, the, so then the servants being like, ex, like, honestly, I feel like in this point, if you were a farmer and you had already experienced this time, this is a pretty big injustice. This is their livelihood. So these, these servants are like, I can't believe that. You want us to go out and pull those weeds out right now? Let's do this. And I feel like there's some zeal behind their question in this, as as in this parable that he's saying. There's a zeal of like, we're going we're gonna to rid this. Of, and, the, and the farmer says, no, no, don't, don't do it now. Don't do it now because if you pull it out now, what could happen is as you yank this out, you could, you could affect the wheat and pull the wheat with it. And you could, you could hurt those things. And I feel like um, in a way it would almost, it would almost be a, a bit of sadness if you're a servant. It's like, man, this is going to be a lot of work. But then Jesus, or Jesus goes on in this parable and says, don't worry, that when... When it's time for the reaping, the reapers will come and do it, which is a different people. They're more skilled at this. And they'll come and they'll pull the weeds and they'll bundle them up so that they can be burned. And then they'll, they'll pull the wheat and they'll put it in the barn and it'll be a storehouse. So it's okay. Don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. And it's this, it's this interesting parable. And then he goes on. And he tells this other parable right then. It's, and we don't know, again, settings-wise if he does it or not. But he goes on and he talks about this, this, this. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that's sown in its field. It's the smallest of seeds. Now, something to know about this is this is where people love to say that the word of God is fallible because although the mustard seed is small, it's not the smallest seed present in Palestine time. You get a wild orchid or some other things that would be smaller, but when he's using this in the context is of, of planting a garden or in a farm, you wouldn't just plant orchids. So he's saying of plantable goods that we're going to eat, this is the smallest seed. This is the smallest seed out there. And he says, it's so small. And I've seen one when I was in Israel. They are, they're, they're really, really teeny and thin. And they're super, super small. And he says that, that although it's the smallest of all that goes in, when you compare it to wheat and all these other things, it ends up growing to be massive. And they look like really, really oversized, overgrown bushes when they get big, 10 to 12 feet. And he's saying, in this, when, those, when that happens, birds will be able to come and rest on them. And what's unique about this is just before in the parable, the, the, the birds were of the enemy. And I don't think what Jesus is doing here is using the birds in a totally different front. And so then he goes on, he says, in fact, the kingdom of heaven, and he goes in this other parable, is like, is like the leaven or, or, the, or the yeast that is brought into a loaf. And he says three, 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 um, the measurement of three, it's a massive amount of wheat that just the smallest amount of, of, of leaven takes and rises this entire amount of flour. And then he goes off, and we realize he comes into the house. And at this point, this is when the disciples say, okay, explain to me then this parable, the weeds. So we can assume that either they understand specifically what Jesus is saying by the, by the mustard seed and the leaven, 
or that they were more intrigued by the sower of the weeds. And I feel like if you look at the day today and, and the way people like to argue about the two points that Jesus is making out of the sower of the weeds is I feel like it makes sense that people would go, well, explain that one to me. You're talking about something being burnt up and something living on forever. Like, explain that one to me, Jesus. And so what he does is he then goes into this parable in, in verse, verses uh, 30, 36. He picks up and he says, he says, then he left the crowds, went into the house, and the disciples said, explain to us this parable, the weeds of the field. And he answered, the one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The one who sows the good seed is Jesus. Now what's interesting is the seed that was sown in the previous parable was the Word of God. Jesus is talking that this seed is actually the kingdom of God, the people of God. Sows the good seed. The field is the world, and the seed, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy, Satan, who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the close is the close of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be the cl- at the close of age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out his kingdom, all, all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. He who understands, let him understand this. And so he explains this in a couple different ways. And he basically says, look, the, the seeds that are being sown into this world are, are the, 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 the work of Satan or the work of God. The people in the field are, are one or the other. Now, you've got to come to terms with this, church. If we're here, there's one or the other. There's not this middle ground. In fact, last week when we talked about the three options, in the end we found out that they were one or the other. You're either on one end or the other. And he's saying, look, there's a, there's a time. There's a time at which I will come and I will have my angels will come and we will separate. We will separate those of my kingdom and those of his. And ultimately Jesus declares right here that the earth, this is his kingdom. In the end he will have his way. He's going to take this. Now this is where it's interesting because I feel like if I were God, and I'm not, just in case you're wondering, but I feel like if I were God, I would say, why have the weeds grow? Why? Why have the weeds grow? And why, why put them in the middle of, of the wheat when we know that the wheat is trying to do God's work and, he's try- and the wheat is trying to do what is right for, for his kingdom? Why have the weeds? Why put them in place? And scholars are all over the board on this. All over the board, but but I believe with if you just follow the text in this, it, it makes sense that, that Jesus is creating space for the wheat to, to 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 be light to the weeds. He's creating space for for those of us that are in the world that carry this light to be the salt and to be the light and to be a part of his church, bringing that around. Now, there still is very much one of two spaces, and what I love in all these stories, I love. I love that the servants in the first part of the parable say, can we go out and pull that weed out? Like, can we go do it? And Jesus gives a couple good reasons why not. He says, no, it'll actually affect, it could affect the crop, the wheat right now. So this is a very clear picture to, hey, good news, guys, which is bad news, but let me just clear it up. Sin affects everyone. If you're in the church, you're like, man, why are all these bad things happening? Well, you know what? You're in a field full of people that have been sown by the devil and people that have been sown by God's kingdom, and there is a war going on. And that sin doesn't just affect one person. It bleeds into everything. But I love, if you look at Luke 9, um, John and, and James, kind of the sons of fire, 
when these, Jesus has just turned to Jerusalem, he's faced his way, he's starting to head, like, he's like, I need to go this way, and the Samaritans won't believe in him. And John and James are like, hey, Jesus, can we call down fire from heaven to burn those people up like Elijah did? And I feel like, like, the way they asked is like, how dare you don't believe in my king? You know, like, they're kind of got them some zeal and some excitement, and they're like, dude, let's burn them up, Jesus. Let's do it. Let's finish this thing right now. And some of the texts say, essentially, that Jesus, Jesus says, no, I did not come to destroy the people, but to save them. But most of the text in your ESV, if you have it, just says he rebukes them. Now, I like to play those conversations out. I don't know if you guys do. But I like to play those conversations out. And in this setting, we don't really know their reaction to the, this, this time. And we don't really know the reaction of the servants, like what they thought when the farmer told them, like, no, no, we're not going to go pull it. But what's interesting in this setting is that, is that Jesus is like, no, you know what? Like, we're not going to do that. I came to save people, not destroy them. Like, this is my purpose is here. And I feel like he's like, come here, John, James, James, come here, guys. Come on, come on. Really, guys? Like, really? You want to you you destroy those people because they just don't believe me in one setting? Like, don't you realize that those are the people I'm here for? You're, you're missing the whole point. Come on. They're slapping him across. Say, come on, guys. No, Jesus doesn't do that. He's, he's more gentle than me. But he, uh, he, he's like, come on. Like, really, think about it. Think about it. You can treat them as enemies, even though, in essence, I've just, just declared that those are with me or against me. Or, or you could posture yourself in a different way to be the light to those that need me. You, could, you, you realize I came to save, not destroy. Don't worry. Don't worry. I feel like it's almost like he said, and we don't have in the text, and this is my Bren version, but he comes back and he's like, hey, guys, don't worry. I will have my vindication. Let's do this. You know, like they're like, yeah, okay, well, whenever his justice will be there. We know that God is just, and his justice is in place, and we find that at the end of the age, so this time between Jesus coming and incarnating, being on this earth and living a perfect, sinless life, to crucifixion and then raising three days later that we know that there's this time now between then and when Jesus comes back again. And we have a picture here. When he comes back, he's coming back with angels. He's coming back ready to have his way with the wheat and the weeds. It'd be really easy for us to get, I mean, texts like this, man, talk about hot topics, burning up. We start thinking, oh, wait, fire and hell and let's, and everyone's got their flags when they hear that, right? Because you've been, raised in some church, you've experienced people speak to it, and, and, and I feel like um, when it comes to this, like this text is, is about what Jesus is going to do, but more about, I think, what we're to live in today. Like we can take heart, and we'll get there in a second. Jesus does make a declaration, like there is two ends to the same story. That's it. But the point, I feel like, is Jesus is saying something drastically different. He's saying, first off, listen, listen, guys, there's a lot of weeds, and I feel like that's where the leaven and the mustard seed comes into this. I feel like Jesus put those parables right in place, and it's almost like he grabbed his disciples' faces and grabbed them like, come here, guys, come on. Come on, this, let me tell you about this. Because they didn't need to express it, but both of those stories show two things. One is when something takes deep root, as small as it is, it can affect everything. And here are these uneducated 12 men. They're like, I can't do this. And they're looking around at all these religious leaders, and the field is massive. And there's like, it's too much of an undertaking, Jesus. There's no way we can do this. Yet Jesus, like you and I know, the flip side of today, that those 12, 11, realistically, but essentially took everything. And we're here today because of them being leaven them being yeast. You know, in this day, like, it would be a gift. So if you were getting married, the, the mother-in-law would, be, would gift 
some leaven, some yeast to the daughter-in-law or the daughter and say, okay, here's your yeast. And they would use that for their entire married life to make bread. And it would be passed on and passed on. And so it was this gift of looks. It can have a massive effect. And I feel like what Jesus is doing in this parable is saying, look, there is a presence of evil on this earth. I've already, like, don't be shocked by it. Don't be confused. But there's, there's an ending, just so you know, too. There's one way. There's, there's the sons of God's kingdom and the sons of Satan's kingdom. There is no in-between. And Jesus is very clear. He says one is going to end with life with Jesus and one is going to end separated from Jesus in hell. And I, even when I say that, people are like, oh, man, I don't know. And I know there's such a stigma around it. And I wanted to just quote, uh, I don't do this often, but I wanted to quote a, a, a writer. N.T. Wright has, I think, the best verbiage of this is, is that this text can be such a great um, landmine because you, you start thinking about, well, is hell or what, what's the version or how do we do it? And I love this. He says, there certainly are characters of God and his judgment, which we should avoid like the plague. God is not a sadistic monster who would happily consign most of his beloved image-bearing creatures to eternal fire. But there are equal and opposite characters we should also be aware of. God is not an indulgent grandparent determined to spoil the youngsters rotten by letting them do whatever they like and still giving them sweets at the end of the day. We must refuse a second just as firmly as the first. And so what Jesus, what N.T. Wright is saying is I think the same thing Jesus is saying is, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. Like, I got this. In fact, he even, even in the story, even in the parable, it wasn't the servant's job to go out and take those weeds out. He said, no, 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 no. No, the reapers will come and do that. They're way more skilled at that. Even here, Jesus says, no, 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 you guys don't have to worry about it. The angels will come and take care of that. That's not your role. Your role is just to be present in this field and show the, the weeds what it means to follow Jesus. You're, you're, you're supposed to be that light. You're going to be in this spot, and it's going to be hard, and it's going to be difficult, and at times your roots are going to get entangled and you're going to you're gonna have to separate that and it's going to tear and I'm going to cut away at it with my word and my spirit and what's going to happen over time, you're going to go strong and big and you're going to be able to influence be a big influence for my kingdom, for my glory alone and so when Jesus tells this parable he's saying look, the smallest things can make the most massive differences so why is there evil in this world? well because Satan is here to destroy. If you, have a, if you have an issue with that, like you got to go back to square one because it says, Jesus speaks to him, he says he's here, his desire is to devour and to destroy any and everything he can. I think maybe there's something to be said about the graciousness of God and that sometimes as young believers or as young people that are in the field or it could be a wheat or a weed, I don't know necessarily how this works out, but you're entangled and so a little bit of time makes a massive difference. If you think about it, I don't think any one of us wants God to be just in every instant in everyone's life. Because if we require God's justice for the, for the, the big things, like, God, you need to do something about sex trafficking, like, just come on, fire from heaven, let's do this. And believe me, I want that. But then I have to say, well, then he has to say, well, wait, what do I do about your pride, Bren? What do I, what do, I do about, what do I do about this person's drunkenness? What about their lust? I don't think that we really want <laughs> that vindication to happen on the instant. I think ultimately we want, we want the, the space to be his children, to be his, his followers, and to be sanctified by the Spirit of God inside of us and to be working towards more like Christ. 
and, and just know, for those of you sitting out here, just know that ultimately it's going to happen one way or the other. The angels are going to show up. We're in, the, we're in this millennial stage, whatever you want to call it. We're in this time where essentially we're between, we're there but not yet. His kingdom's coming, but it's not complete, but he will make it complete. He promises that. And so this parable points very clearly the fact that Jesus is coming back. In fact, if you think about it, one of the biggest issues with all of the Pharisees and everyone at this time was that they expected the kingdom of God to show up like Jesus is saying it's coming the second time. They expected on the first, like he was going to come in, he was going to crush Rome, he was going to make this thing right, he was going to remove all the weeds and, and sweet, we can celebrate, it's going to be beautiful, we don't have to worry about the sin and the brokenness, which is his promise and is his coming. But it would be foolish of us to think that he didn't act instantly because Christ died on the cross for us. He did the most massive thing he could have done to set this back right side up, to set this back in motion. So he didn't, doesn't seem like, it's like, why are you taking your time? It seems weird to me that you would let those things go, but why, come on, come on, God, like what, what's taking so long? And we get so impatient, but he, he already acted instantly. So we wait with patience. Not like people that are in the dark that have no idea where we're going or what's going to happen. We with patience knowing that ultimately that Jesus Christ is coming again. And that he is going to, to, to bring the harvest. And he is going to separate the harvest out. And he's going to say, no, this is my children and these are not my children. And he's very clear about that. But he invites all of us. And I feel like as those Pharisees are sitting listening to the weeds as the crowds kind of fell in on him. Maybe even you see it a little bit out of the disciples when they're walking by and the Samaritans don't believe. It's like, ah, oh, if they would have just believed, this would be so much easier. I feel like he's, he's just coming in and saying, look, guys, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And it doesn't matter your stature. It doesn't matter your reputation. It doesn't matter anything. All that matters is the identity you have in me and me alone and watch me work. So you've been invited You've been invited, you've been commanded to be a part of his kingdom. And ultimately, his kingdom is two. There is no middle ground. There is no middle ground. He's not, he's not saying you can be here and then kind of here and then kind of here at the same time. He's saying you're here or you're here. I don't know when that happens and how that process works, and there's so much theology that goes into it that everyone loves to fight about. But ultimately, the, the, the point, I think, of the parable, the reason why Jesus is talking about this, he's saying, look, guys, my kingdom's coming. It just looks different to than it did to them. And we are on the enlightened side. We get the whole thing and book. We got the whole story. We can go, okay, I see how it's coming. And we can argue about how, what the little logistics and we can fight about that and just, you know, be up in arms. But ultimately, we can be a part of what he's called us to do. We can be a part of that. And that means living it today and tomorrow and every day, not just showing up on a Sunday listening to some person gab for a while and, and kind of pretend through the motions. Like, it means living a life that says, I am set out to do this today. Those of you that are in here that are in full-time ministry or in, we got lots of you that do kind of ministry. You, you get this, you understand that. My, my heart breaks for you is because sometimes for us, we can feel it as a job and it's not really like a call that God gave us. But those of you that are like, man, I'm a, I'm a nurse or I'm a, I'm an engineer. I, I just do this. Like, no, it, you are an active part of that. 
And for right now, in your workplace, in your schools, and maybe sometimes in the church, we're breathing the same air as weeds and wheat, but ultimately, God will separate those. And right now, there may be a weed that is noxious as it is, as horrible as it is. It may be someone in your family that God is saying, be the light to that weed. What Satan meant to destroy, I can redeem. Jordan, the band's going to come up, and we're going to worship some more. Why so much evil in this world? Because Satan is, is active and alive, and he's moving, moving hard. But the good news is that which is in him, God is greater than. So that which is in us, his believers, is greater than the power that Satan has. And we are invited to be a part of this. Now, I don't know when Jesus is going to come back. I'm not going to stand up and say, like, oh, in 1988, this is exactly when it's going to happen. 2000 Y2K, we've seen that happen over and over and over again. But I do know one thing. I can get pretty stinking focused in on my today. I can get like right here and I'd be like, I just miss it. And, and day after day after day kind of moves by. And I can realize if I'm not careful, which I'm assuming is for some of you, if we're not careful, that we can spend weeks, months, maybe even years not really playing a part of his kingdom just kind of going through the motions, never really investing in anything outside, never really pushing into the relationships that God has us, not, not being more intentional with, with those aspects. And I would just encourage you guys, wherever you are, whether you're new to faith or you've been in the church for a long time or you're just, uh, you're just kind of tired because you're old. And I don't mean that age-wise. You're just old. I don't know how to say that nicely. You're, you're seasoned. You're experienced. <laughs> Wherever you are, God is, is, is planted you. He has planted you. And those seeds, those, those weeds that got sown in around you, he's planted you to be the light to those around. So what if, just, just imagine with me, what if, what if we just, we weren't the servants in the story. We weren't, we weren't, the, we weren't the farmer because obviously that's, well, that's not us. But what if we actually bought into the fact that we were a seed? We were a seed that was sown by God, put in this soil, and now we are children of him that we're going to bear fruit. And we're going to move in this way. What if we actually lived as if that really mattered more than our education or our marriages or our school or our friendships or our relationships or Valentine's Day or Facebook or whatever else, no matter any of those things can be good and beautiful. But what if that was the most important thing? I feel like that's what Jesus is saying is, look, you can live your life about getting your degree and doing all these things, but just so you know, there's going to be weeds all around you and there's going to be wheat in there, and at the end, we're going to harvest this. We're going to separate that out, and we're going to have ones with me and ones without, and you get to be a part of it. So instead of putting all of our energy and effort into what we're going to do for ourselves, what if we spent more time being the wheat that he planted in the specific spot he planted you? For sometimes that may mean at the job that you don't like, <laughs> that may mean with the in-laws that you're just like, oh, I, got, I just lost. That may mean with your kid marrying off to someone that you don't like. Whatever it may mean, he's, he's planted you there, and that's where you're at. And he says, look, I'm, I'm going to use you here. Would you let me use you here? Would you get out of your own way? Let me pray. Father, I pray for the wheat in the room, for those that have surrendered their life to the person and work of Jesus Christ, to those that have... Um, Surrender to you as Lord, as, you, as, as Lord, as supreme control of their life. God, I pray that we would live 
as your children should live, as you called us to live. Light. Light that's intended to go to your kingdom. And God, for the, for the weeds in the room, God, I pray that you would, you would surround them in an overwhelming way with a beautiful group of wheat. And I feel like that's just that spot where we get to finally be the church. It's interesting thinking about the birds that were evil in the time in the sow of the seeds where the, evil, the birds are the what snatch the seed away. But in this one, the birds are the ones that come to the mustard seed tree. It's almost a, a beautiful picture of, of, a, of a community of faith growing up strong enough that the world then says, I want to nest there. I want to be a part of that. I want to bring safe haven to that place. And so, God, may we be your church. And God, ultimately, what, what comes when, you're, when your angels come with glory, may we be um, postured in a way that that's what's most important to us is you coming again. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.